Welcome to Spirit School. My name is Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. I am the host of your Spirit School, where I will share all the lessons and learnings that I have uncovered through my intuitive development and mediumship development journey. I am a professional psychic and medium and intuitive teacher and mentor, and I look forward to walking alongside you on this journey. Hello everyone and welcome back to Spirit School. I am really excited to bring you another interview. I'm excited to share with you all the ladies on Instagram. We're uh, very energized about this topic of codependency and people pleasing. So I am honored to have Vanessa Grace on. I know Vanessa through Instagram and I met her through our coach, Ryan Yukomi, who obviously has talked about a lot on this podcast and I hear her podcast too, so Amplified. Um, so Vanessa Grace is an expert in overcoming codependency, both personally and professionally. She's a life coach and a licensed therapist. Her expertise, kind heart, and dash of light humor help her clients heal the life experiences and trauma that create codependency to begin with. Vanessa joins mental health, spiritual practices, and life aspirations to help women create the lives they really want for themselves. Her one-on-one coaching and group coaching courses help you truly transform from the inside. If you want to heal your soul to become a stronger self, she's got you covered. Hello, Vanessa. Thank you for coming on Spear School. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this topic too because people-pleasing is something that mediums and I'm sure all light workers serving spirit are plagued with, especially in the early years. So mm-hmm. I was really excited to have somebody who focuses their life's work on this topic. Yes. So people pleasing is such like a huge encompassing thing in our culture and it gets embedded in family systems and just becomes normal. It becomes the way that people interact with each other. Mm. And so if you attempt to not be a people pleaser anymore, if, if your whole family isn't also on that train with you trying to like collectively heal, which, um, let me tell you, never happens at the same time. So you'll be, you'll be the one doing it solo. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it, it never happens where they're all on it together. So if you're on that train, you know, trying to heal your people pleasing by yourself, which you likely are, the family will wonder what is going on with you. You'll suddenly start saying no to things that like your kind of social contract you've previously said yes to. And so they'll start to bulk and be like, you're kind of different than you are. Like, why aren't you being as helpful? Like, why aren't, like, what's happening to you? Are we having a problem? And they'll start to object to the changes that you're making if you're trying to not overextend yourself Mm -hmm. to make them happy. Because, I mean, the definition of people pleasing is like kind of right in the title. You are, or what it's called, you are doing what they need to please them. But then the undercurrent of that is that it's very likely that you are sacrificing something within yourself or that you are doing um, something like neglecting something within you Mm. to be able to please them, which means that you are not being pleased. Um, It can be very subtle like, well, I'm, I'm used to sacrificing or I'm used to giving up or I don't mind, you know, not having that because 
then, you know, my mom has this or my uncle has that or my friend has that. But if you do that all the time, how is your own cup getting filled? It starts to grate on like your psychology. It starts to grate on your soul Mm -hmm. um, and make you worn out. And this is how people get like adrenal fatigue and, you know, have health problems in their bodies. And they're like, but I do everything right. Well, you're probably over helping. Or you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? Yes. Doing everything for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So if, if I, okay, I, I'm wondering if somebody who needs to be pleased, so there are people who just need to be pleased, are, could they also have that side of people pleasing as well? Because I, I have met people in my life who everyone tries to please. So that person is kind of like the center of that, that needs that. Um, I need you to do what I need you to do. Do they also have people pleasing tendencies? Yes, they can. They can also have um, people pleasing tendencies, but it might not look, it might not look the same way. Okay. I'm going to bring it this to next level. So we've been using the term people pleasing, but now I'm going to jump to codependency because that's, I don't even know what codependency is. So I was excited to have you on. Yes. Okay. So people pleasing and codependency are very similar. I tend to think of people pleasing as a component of codependency, but not everybody defines it that way in, in psychology and mental health and stuff. So just know that mine might be a little different than everybody's. So codependency involves people pleasing. It involves enabling other people Mm. to kind of like not act in adult ways to like, I'm going to continue to do things for you. And then you won't have to learn how to do it yourself. And so I am enabling you to not be a fully functioning adult. Okay. So there's people pleasing, there's enabling. Usually there is almost always some deep seated grain of self-worth concerns, self-worth issues, self-esteem issues. And even if you have healthy self-esteem and I myself have considered myself to have healthy self-esteem. But like she said, with my intro, I worked on my codependency. And so there were still pockets within me that had self-esteem issues. And I still have stuff pop up where I'm like, I feel awful today. So even if you feel like, but I'm a strong person, I don't want to be people pleaser, codependent enabler. You know, if you're like resisting that concept right now, you can be a strong person who sometimes has self-worth issues and still you know, exhibit some of these characteristics sometimes. And so, you know, if you're like resisting what we're talking about, like, that's okay. That's normal. I was, I resisted it too. Um, And then there's also elements of sometimes you're a doormat. I've had people that I've worked with who have described their behavior like that sometimes where they just let themselves be like walked all over and they didn't even realize it was happening or they meant to say something, but then it never left their mouth. And it was like, they, they didn't know how to say it. Like they didn't know how to stand up for themselves. Like their friend is like almost doing the work for them, standing up for them, but they can't do it for themselves. So you, so that's kind of a really quick view of codependency. So you had asked, can the person that everyone is pleasing in a family, kind of like the central person that everyone is doing everything around, can that person also be a people pleaser? Well, it's more like that person is probably also codependent. And if everyone is a family in a family is or a group 
is focusing on pleasing this one person and you can't um, kind of poke the bear, mm. then the whole system is actually codependent. Okay. Because it's all focused on that person doesn't have to deal with their problems. So we all have to work really, really hard to make sure that that person doesn't, um, doesn't have to deal with anything that they don't want to deal with because if they have to deal with something they don't want to deal with, um, it ends up creating chaos. It ends up creating problems or they have to actually face themselves in a way that they're not willing to. And so we all just play this game where they don't have to look at that. And that can be at work. That can be with grandma or grandpa you know, like three or four generations of that situation happening in a family. Um, and that person can be super sweet. That person doesn't even need to be a mean person. You can just think of them as, oh, they're very delicate. So we have to never let anything bother them, mm -hmm. you know, or they could be a, a drunken jerk where, you know, you have to clean up their messes the next day because they won't do it, but you're not allowed to um, let those messes go. Like you get in trouble if you don't clean up their messes, but they won't clean them up. Yeah. Figuratively and literally. So can, is like codependency and the people pleasing, like, is it something like we're all born with? Like, can it be passed down like ancestrally, like cellular DNA, or is it through kind of like experiences that we have quite young that kind of like formulate these tendencies? So the mental health psychological answer is that it's, um, it's something that occurs in a family system. Mm. So if you were raised by someone who is alcoholic or an addict of some sort, if you were raised by someone who has an unmanaged mental health issue, if you're raised by someone who has an unmanaged health issue, if you're raised by someone who's emotionally immature, all of those types of people will end up having things that they don't take care of like they should. And all of those things, if not taken care of, will create a conflict in the family. Mm. And usually, especially with addiction, you are supposed to keep those problems secret because that is the rule of the addiction family. But very often in mental health families or in families where a parent is emotionally immature in some way, where they like can't handle their emotions, um, all of that ends up meaning that they're not doing what they're supposed to do as an adult. And so someone else has to pick up the pieces. And so people learn in childhood to pick up the pieces. Mm. And so it becomes part of their pattern. Now, if we look at the spiritual aspect of things, we know that stuff gets left over from other lifetimes. We know that things get passed down um, kind of like spiritually, genetically. Um, and so you could have codependency left over from another lifetime. And like, that's why you're working to heal it in this lifetime. You could have codependency in your family line from behavioral experiences, but it could also be in your family line like genetically, spiritually. Mm -hmm. And so it can be in you on multiple levels. So you must see this a lot. Like you, you formulated your life's work around these very topics of codependency and people pleasing. You got your masterclass, which we can definitely plug at the end. So you must see this like in your therapy work, your life coaching work. And I'm kind of curious if you have any perspectives, of course, like life purpose is like all the buzz now. <laughs> 
So right. how do you see this affecting people who are just like so, especially in the spiritual realm and the people who are interested in like serving spirit, like how do you see this like really impacting them from being in alignment with what they feel their purpose is? Well, it's really, really common for anyone who wants to help other people to have codependency somewhere in their family, in their history, in themselves. Mm. It's not uncommon because people who are codependent are naturally kind people who want to help others. They don't want others to suffer. Now, you can be a helper, you know, quote unquote, and not be codependent. That's totally possible. Um, but they tend to go hand in hand. Yeah. And so how it affects people is that they overextend themselves. They believe that saving their client and getting them to that place in life where it's like miraculous transformation, it's like they attach um, the client's progress to themselves. Mm. And like, it becomes like, if, well, if I don't help you get there, then there's something wrong with me. Like, like I used to think that if I didn't help a client get there in therapy, that maybe I wasn't a good therapist or um, I just had to work harder at connecting with them on the topics. Um, of course I would be like, Oh yeah, well they're just having a hard time, but not realizing like maybe they don't actually want to go there right now. Yeah. And so in all of that can be extrapolated to all the helping professions where people struggle to, think they're on their own journey and I'm just joining them for as long as we're supposed to be together, but they are in charge of their own journey. I just happen to have knowledge or skills that they need right now. And so this is our sole contract to do this work together, but they have to do their part of the work. You can't carry their half of the load in your relationship. And if they're looking to have you carry their entire load, then they're again, replicating whoever that person was in your life that helped formulate the codependency in you to begin with, mm -hmm. you know, whoever that adult figure was that asked you to do too much, you know, like they verbally asked you to do too much, but just by their behavior, like neglected to do it themselves. So you ended up doing it. Um, and, <laughs> and so, you know, by your client asking you to pick it up and then you picking it up, you're replicating that same relationship. So it's learning when it's yours to pick up and when it's not yours. It's learning where the end of your professional boundaries are of what you're willing to do, what your profession says is okay. Um, you know, that's why we all have like professional ethics and professional boundaries and, and need to learn all those things to help protect ourselves. And this is one of the reasons why, because helpers help too much. <laughs> For sure. Well, and this is a good segue into, you know, I was doing some reflecting, obviously I knew you were coming on the podcast and I see people pleasing in, in a lot of my mentorship clients as well. And it takes me back. I think I people pleased, you know, for about the first five years of my spiritual practice, even though I am a confident woman, like, and I feel like I have a lot of self-worth and of course, like that kind of like dips as we go along, you're not going to have self-worth or worthiness, like, you know, sovereignty forever, you're always going to have an experience that will kind of like make you question it. But I remember thinking back to my early years and I remember really feeling like I would leave a session that was fine, right? Like the person left smiling, embracing me, and I would still dwell on the fact that I feel like I sucked. 
I was like, man, that did like not meet my expectations at all. It was very, very draining. I would dwell on it, dwell on it, dwell on it. So that could be a form of codependency, I suppose, that I really needed that person to like validate that they had a great experience to kind of mm-hmm. make me feel like I was doing the work to my standards and my expectations, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. That's asking them to validate you when that's not their role. Mm-hmm. Their role is to receive your work and yes, give you compliments or feedback, but it's not their job to tell you if you suck or not, you know, <laughs> your terminology. But like, that's, why, that's why people in the helping professions need to have other professionals or they need to have um, you know, their own coach or their own mentor to be able to reflect against that right. and go over go over their work with to like point out, well, that actually was an issue or no, you're just freaking out right now. What's going on in your life that you're freaking out about this? Cause it was absolutely fine. Why are you dragging yourself through the mud? It's like you are not acknowledging how awesome you are right now. What's going on? <laughs> totally. And that's what Ryan's really good at for me. Ryan Comey, my coach, like, and he's your coach too. Mm-hmm. Just like, I, you know, and I'm in counseling, I do counseling every other week I have for years. I'm, I'm a big advocate for it. I think that, you know, if it's there and available, why not? Mm-hmm. And, um, I have so many mic drop moments where with him, like, where I'm like, well, this is kind of bothering me this week. And he's always able the coach, right. Who sees like from the outside in, like the bottom or root of, of what could have caused this like insecurity or this like not enoughness. And so, yeah, that's kind of cool. Maybe I'm a bit more codependent than I thought. Okay. Moving on to the next example. (laughs) And just for any of you who just had that moment along with her, um, (laughs) I just want to say that it's okay and you can process this at your own speed and uh, you will take it in digestible chunks and you will look at it when you are ready and that is totally fine. And I am here for you whenever you want to listen to the podcast or send me a little DM going, holy crap, I think I'm codependent. I'll be there for you whenever you're ready to say that to somebody. That is so funny. Because, I mean, before we went on air, just to give people some context, I was like, I don't think I'm very codependent. Like, I'm a very independent woman. And, like, I don't need my husband to tell me, like, you're doing great. But maybe sometimes I do. Okay. So, no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. This was beautiful. Okay. So, what you just said is the definition that most people think it means. And that is not what codependency is. The word codependent is the worst description of what it is because if you just look at the word codependent you think that it means that you are dependent on another person but on the surface neither you or me are but i totally have codependency in my history and it still pops up in my brain and i know all this stuff Mm -hmm. you know so yeah if you were working with the definition that she just said like that's not the actual definition but it's such a little talked about thing in our world that most of us don't know yeah, it has a weird vibration to it. Like, cause everything has a vibration. I feel it in my solar plexus when I hear different words, like co- codependency, like triggers me almost in a way, like it kind of makes my solar plexus feel a bit yucky. Codependency as a way of living is low vibe. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a high vibe way of living because it has all these, these weird chords with other people and these weird agreements where you sacrifice yourself on the altar for the community. Mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, it's not a high vibe word. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, concept. Definitely <laughs> feeling that. Okay. So the next example I was going to come up with that's very common with mediums, like, and I, I'm sure, cause I only do mediumship readings. Like I'm sure that people who do angel or tarot or, um, Akashic, like you may experience this too, but with mediums and, and, you know, self, what is it called? Like the need to please is mm-hmm. so deep when it comes to mediums, especially because we're dealing with like intangible things. It's like, mm-hmm. I need you to validate that you understand what I just said to you because it doesn't make sense to me, but I need to know it makes sense to you. Like the need to actually receive that kind of validation of feedback is very deep from our clients. And what's very common it for especially mediums who are just starting out and don't quite have those professional boundaries yet is they may turn a 30 minute reading into an hour long reading or an hour and a half long reading because they are feeling like they're not meeting their sitter's expectations as they're going along. And so they'll go extra long, extra long, extra long, and then eventually kind of burn out and get a bit energy sick. Yeah. So it's in a certain way, it's your job to be very clear about what they can expect but also be clear about like what, what may not happen. And so, and that's part of developing yourself as a professional in any, you know, any way that you're a healer is to know how it works with you, which you'll figure it out as you go. So you may, you know, there's no way to engage in healing work without messing up in the beginning. Oh, for sure. I mean, (laughs) I have my own pile of stories of not being an awesome social worker. Um, (laughs) back in the day. Right. And so setting the expectations at the beginning, and then as you continue to learn about yourself, doing like an evaluation after a session, you know, with some reflection to determine, um, what needs to adjust. And if the same things keep coming up, you might need to make a new business policy for yourself. Right. Um, you know, like the hours that you work or, you know, recognizing what it feels like in your body when you're seeking too much confirmation from them. And is it because they're a skeptic and they aren't going to give you any feedback, you know, energetically anyway, or is it because they're actually not resonating with what you're saying because what's coming through isn't making sense to them. And being able to tell the difference between that is going to be important for you. But those are, again, things that you learn over time that you can build into your business and how you do your readings. Yeah, I love that. And I definitely teach um, people how to like manage the expectations before you go into your reading. I think that, you know, as a medium, like you can sometimes in a reading, you can feel the sense of spirit. Like it is so palpable. And then other times it's a bit more surface. And so when things feel like a little bit more surface, like things are a little bit further away, even though the sitter is having a great experience, we feel that it's not as good of a reading because we're like, why don't I feel all the shivers and all the tingles? And so we, we push a little farther and we go a little bit more because we feel that maybe we're just not as connected to this person. I know now after thousands of readings that those magical readings where the, the, the energy is just so palpable, you know, come a little bit less frequently, the more you end up doing readings because Tony Stoff always said it becomes a little bit like an old lover. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's really good advice. And, um, and you also brought up this uh, example I wanted to bring up too, which was 
people pleasing in this work, like I have set hours, I'm very boundary medium. I've actually had people kind of laugh at how boundaried I am. But at the very beginning, because we're just so pleasing, people be like, oh, but I can only do it on weekends and I only work weekdays, right? You will actually sacrifice the family time to squeeze in that client on the weekend outside of your boundaries. That's very common as well um, with light workers, right? Yeah, definitely. And I have definitely been there with my own boundaries with when I'm going to see people and have gotten better and better at that over the years. And you need to really, you got to have that, those chunks of time that are focused on your life where you don't have to keep interrupting your life to serve somebody else's life. I mean, usually people are in this because they're passionate about it and it fills them up. And so it shouldn't become the thing that makes you like a pile of goo on the floor. I mean, it's supposed to, you're supposed to do it and it's supposed to restore you. And then you go have your time and reground and then you feel good about what you did because yeah. you were connecting with spirit and helping somebody else with their life. But really, I mean, yeah, you want to help the sitter, but you also have to connect with spirit and you have to be well enough to be able to connect with spirit or you're not going to be able to do the work. And what will come through is your you're the go-between. You don't decide what comes through. Yeah. You know, so if they're not happy with what came through, like that might not be your fault that maybe they just didn't like what was shared. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I like how my six-year-old says, you get what you get and you don't get upset. <laughs> okay. I wanted to turn over to a couple questions we got on Instagram, if that's okay. Cause I posted yeah. my stories. Um, now some people wrote a couple little blocks, so I'm going to try to follow <laughs> the trail of what they're saying because obviously yeah. you can only fit so many characters in that little box but one of yeah. them um, was what's the distinction between healthy consideration for others and codependency ah uh, yes healthy consideration for others and codependency so the root difference is what is your motivation behind it mm -hmm. behind this behavior or choice that you're going to make when you dig down to the deepest motivation is it fear of how they will react if you do opposite of what they want? Um, or is it authentically, this doesn't take anything away from me. And if you don't like my reaction, we're going to work it out or I'm going to walk away from the situation or whatever. Um, but it's really, what is the root reason behind why you are doing this? Mm -hmm. And I have found that your ability to self-evaluate determines how quality of an answer you get from that question. If you're a person who could only go a couple layers into yourself, into your psyche, you're going to have a much harder time getting to the deep answer of the why, because sometimes the true why is four to six layers deep. Right. You know, but really the reason behind why you are making the choice. So what does a why, so say we were to look at letting a client squeeze into the Saturday when you don't work Saturdays and you got kids, right? So what would, what would an example be of the why between healthy consideration and codependency? Well, the codependent situation, their, their thoughts would be focused on, I need the money right now, or I'm worried about my business and I'm trying to generate you know, income or people or visibility or, you know, whatever thing they're trying to generate. And so I have to take everybody. Um, I have to take everybody under all circumstances mm -hmm. because I am fearful that um, if I say no, they'll go away and they won't pick a different time. 
and then I'll never have them. And then my business will never go anywhere. And then I will be a big fat failure. And then, I don't know, you disappointed some family member or the family member who told you not to do this will be absolutely right. And, and now you're sad. Like that's the kind of stuff that it ends up leading to in a codependent mindset where you're working on people pleasing, you know, where you, where you, your decisions are based in pleasing the other people. Um, the person who is not codependent or people pleasing is thinking, well, if this person really wants to work with me, they will work within the hours that I allow. If I schedule this session on Saturday, um, then I will, it'll interrupt, you know, some thing your kid is supposed to go to, which will create some random domino effect of you're stressed out, your kid's grumpy that you promised to do it and now you can't. So your sister has to take her or dad has to take her. And, and now you're the parent who isn't available. And then she has a hard time going to bed. It just becomes this domino you can imagine, you know, yeah. when things get interrupted, it creates this kind of chaos and sometimes people's feelings get hurt and you have to go back and repair all of that mm-hmm. all because you were scared of getting rejected that a client wouldn't come see you on Tuesday at three and they demanded Saturday at four. I love that. And that's like a recipe for resentment. <laughs> yes. And resentment is such a huge part of what happens in codependency. If you feel resentment a lot, uh, it usually is a sign that you did not keep your own limit. Right. That is absolutely what is a sign of. And so the difference is, um, you know, with this example is the person who is not codependent or is working on not being codependent is focused on the fallout if they do the thing to please the other person, mm. where you know, with their own life, whereas the people pleaser is focused on the fallout if they disappoint the other person. Right. That's so good. I'm glad I asked that question because I think that really makes it clear. And I'm pretty sure this whole conversation, there's going to be a lot of triggered mediums listening. <laughs> Sorry guys, I'm just helping you grow. <laughs> They're like, I feel seen right now. <laughs> Stop pointing at me, Vanessa. <laughs> I know, I love it because I know, like, I had to overcome so much of this, and it still creeps up, and you still have to check in with yourself, right? And oh yeah, you do. You do have to check in with yourself, and yeah, I'll be I, in a DM with someone, or you know, in a texting conversation with one of my therapy clients about like scheduling and they'll ask something that's like a little bit outside of my boundaries. And sometimes I have to like, let it sit there for a couple hours and not like I'm thinking about it the whole couple hours, but I just have to go, like, I feel the thoughts of codependency and people pleasing happening in my own mind. And then I have to go, okay, this is why I made this choice. This is what I do and don't want. This is what I'm scared of happening. If I say no, I'm a, I need to be okay with that because I don't want to say yes. Yeah. You know, and so even within myself, I have, I give myself space to process it before I go back to the person. And so frequently people feel like they have to give instant answers, whereas if they allowed themselves time to decide and said that time for me to decide is okay, they would have different responses to people so frequently and it would stop having fallout in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. Okay. Next question. Now I'm going to assume, so all this person wrote was how do I find balance? So I would assume that's like, how do I find balance between like pleasing others and like honoring what I actually want to do is kind of like the energy that I'm feeling. Yeah. So that's really a lot of self-awareness about how much time you need for yourself and what type of time you need for yourself. So it's kind of like a life evaluation 
what do I need to be a whole self person? What do I need for my family? And then what's left over is what other people outside of your family get. Right. And that is a variable thing. That's going to be different in the summer versus in February versus, I don't know, in June, you know, like just depending on what's going on in your family, that's variable. So you could have made a promise to somebody, but then major circumstances change. Hello, this entire year. And so you have to go, no, I can't do that anymore. Major circumstances changed. I'm sorry. I have to pull out of the situation. Um, And so balance also is about boundaries. So self-care and boundaries are like, for me, the two pillars of healing codependency. And so the self-care is, you know, that balance part of what do I need for myself and my family? And then the boundaries is how to say no to everybody else who tries to get at your time. And in my podcast, I have so many episodes that are on boundaries and how to set boundaries and how to say no and all the fears that come up with the ways that you say no. Um, so balance is about self-care and boundaries. Yeah. So I have a question that's a little bit personal because I went from having like no boundaries to being super boundary. Like I've even had people kind of like laugh at me. They're like, wow, I've actually never met somebody so boundaried. And like this comes up in like, I have mentorship packages and then one session they'll show up and be like, oh, I want a reading. And I was like, I don't know. I have boundaries. This is a mentorship package and I'm very boundaried about it. And then same with my wait list. I have a crazy wait list right now. People are like trying to get in even friends. And I'm like, no, like I'm not doing readings in August. I take two months off a year and I'm super boundaried about it. Like, is that healthy or is yeah. that also kind of like on the other spectrum of being like extreme? Cause like I'm, I'm airtight on my boundaries. <laughs> okay. It sounds like you've set your business up so that the container that it is in exactly matches what you and your family need. If you're not doing readings or, you know, whatever the content is for two months, it sounds like that's because that's what you need. Mm. So there's people who are saying like, well, you have a lot of boundaries or whatever words they're using to say that. Um, One, people in our society aren't used to that firm of boundaries. They're just not used to it. Two, people assume, well, I'm on the inside track with you in some way, and so I should get special treatment. And then you're like, nope, not even you. Um, And they're like, whoa, really? I thought I was so special that you would violate your boundaries for me, because that's what our friends do. Mm -hmm. Um, they, They give us extra deals, but you have this boundary, which I think is very healthy. The other thing is, um, the people who are shocked at your boundaries, some of them don't have boundaries. And so it is offensive to them when someone else has boundaries, because it seems like a slight against them personally. Right. Which is not what it is. But when you don't understand boundaries, and when you don't have boundaries, you infringe on other people's boundaries. And so they infringe on yours all the time because you don't even know what yours are. And so when someone sets a boundary with you and says, no, you're so shocked and you take it personally. And that's an issue within codependent families and, you know, codependent communities and systems. Um, And so if you set a boundary with someone and they get offended, it's likely because they don't understand boundaries. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. Cool. I was like thinking I was just being like difficult or stubborn. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm just like, you just really know what you need and it probably helps you be successful, successful and soulful at the same time. 
Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, you know, to the listeners, I'm very vulnerable on my podcast. I've talked about everything. And anytime that I cross my boundaries and my spirit work, I got energy sick and energy sick comes up for me, overextending my energy, not being as protective of it. I do believe we are completely in charge of our own energetic boundaries, our own energy wellness. I don't think we're a victim to anything. And so I have pushed my boundaries that people please my way into hour and a half long readings that ended up being like worse than if I just cut it off a half an hour. <laughs> And I've ended up getting sick and like I'm, energy sickness comes to me as like flu-like symptoms, like not, no Advil, no Tylenol can take away the headaches or the fever. Like I literally get sick. And so, you know, it was one of my, my indigenous elders that kind of taught me how to like ground and like, and not expend so much energy because mm-hmm. it, I won't be able to do readings for a week. If I push my boundaries, it's like setting myself up for failure for like the next mm-hmm. 10 people that I end up working with. And so it's just not worth it. In nope, my opinion. It's not. So, yeah, but yeah. you have to kind of go through those really tough experiences to realize how important those boundaries are. So keep blending them, keep suffering. And then sooner or later, you'll be sick of suffering and you're going to want to <laughs> have those boundaries up. Right. Yeah. Cool. So another question I have here is how do we shift from an instinct to please over our own true desires? Being self-aware. So first you have to bring awareness to the fact that you have that instinct and notice when it is happening. And if you don't notice it in the moment, you might need to purposely take time in your life, five minutes, a half hour, whatever you need, like regularly, like once a day, once a week, where you reflect and notice if you have given yourself away in some way, Mm -hmm. if you did overextend to reflect on that and then just notice when it happened. Mm -hmm. And simply noticing when it happened can be this floodgate experience of understanding. But for other people, um, it could be, okay, I'm going to notice it. And then you get good at noticing it and having the time to notice it. And then you add in to that time. Okay. Now I'm not going to just notice. I'm going to notice how it affected me. You know, what happened because I um, had this instinct to please and went with it. Mm-hmm. What was the fallout from that in my life? Okay. And then you don't need to fix it yet. You're just noticing still, but now you're noticing when it happened and what happened. And then when you get good at that, then you add in brainstorming what to do instead. And you don't necessarily need to act on it still. Now you're still, you noticed it, you noticed the fallout, what could I do instead? And then the fourth step would be actually acting on it. Now, some people would move very quickly through all of those, but oftentimes it's so scary to imagine pushing back and saying no, that people move very slowly through them, which is absolutely fine. Everyone moves at their own pace. I judge no one for their speed at which they go through this process. Right. I was in my own codependency healing therapy group for over two years. And I was a therapist with a private practice and I was in group therapy for codependency for over two years. So I have no judgment about how long it takes someone to go through this. I love that story when you talked about the Soul Wolf podcast because you were just like, I didn't tell anyone I was a therapist. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> That's so funny. I imagine my cat's about to pass, like he's kind of in his transition time and I'm so grieved like even before mm-hmm. he goes like I can imagine myself going to like some sort of like grief therapy group I'm like I'm a medium like <laughs> I, I feel like I have a good sense of what happens to us when we go but it still doesn't like help the loss right but I was yeah. having I was having that kind of like vision in like a, a grief group and I'm like I'm a medium mm-hmm. 
helping other people through their grief. Yeah. Well, I also wanted to be there for me and I didn't know how people would respond. Mm. I felt like I was going to be judged, but I also felt like I was going to have to work. So I just kept it to myself for a long time until I felt comfortable to share it. Do you, okay. So this might be kind of interesting because when I'm out and about, people swear I'm reading them and I don't like, that's my energetic boundary. And I'm, I forget I'm a medium when I'm out and about, I'm a mom. Like when I leave my sessions, I'm just a mom, right? A, a wonderful mm -hmm. mom, not just a mom. It's like the biggest privilege. But like when you're out and about in circles and people find out you're a therapist, do people think that you're like analyzing them? Um, sometimes people do. They think that, but that's not necessarily true. I mean, sometimes I'll pick up on things, but I just kind of let them sit there. I don't do anything with it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what am I going to do? Like, hey, by the way, you don't know me, but I know all this stuff. I'm going to let you know this thing. Yeah. I love it. Very cool. Okay. So this is the last Instagram question I'll ask, and then I'll end it with how do you heal all this shit? Right. Mm -hmm. So in... I know you've talked about self-care and boundaries, so we'll talk a bit about that. But so one of the questions was honoring myself without feeling guilty, but allowing to listen to my desires and inner voice has been something I've been practicing a lot more. She can't wait to listen to this. So it sounds like, how do you honor yourself without feeling guilty? I mean, I don't know if it's a woman thing or it's like, I don't know, like we do, does everyone have like this guilty default when we want to say no, or we want to honor our boundaries? Basically, yes. So when you are healing codependency or people pleasing or any of the things that we are talking about today, any of the words that describe them, when you begin to heal it and give time to yourself and say no to other people in all the ways that you should, guilt and or shame will be present mm -hmm. because you are going against um, how you were essentially raised. It's like you're going against a value set that was instilled in you as a survival skill. Codependency is a way to survive whatever you lived in. Right. So you are now, now that survival skill is shooting you in your foot. Mm -hmm. And so you have to consciously choose to not do something that helped you survive. And so it feels wrong. And if your whole family is embedded in that system, it will feel wrong at the core. And so even though you are moving in a direction of health, initially you will experience guilt and or shame. Mm -hmm. And so if you're experiencing that, you simply keep going, but it's really important to have support. Either you, you need to have other people who understand not just the healing process, but codependency itself, because it is so misunderstood that going to your best friend to talk about it is probably not going to really help you on a truly deep level with it. Like they can provide support, but they're not going to be able to give you the insight about what is happening because it is about um, many, many more layers complicated than I have shared in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so keep going. Um, the guilt will get smaller over time. Um, Maybe and it's also, a little less power over you too. Right. It's also accepting that you have value innately, even if you are serving no one in this moment, mm. which is a huge issue. If you are a people pleaser or a codependent person, or even, um, you know, someone in the healing professions, spiritually or kind of like psychologically it's almost like your value is determined by 
who you are able to help. And so seeing that you have value when you're sitting on your bed doing nothing, not producing anyone for anybody else but yourself. I love that. You have value innately, even if you're not serving in the moment. That is a perfect quote. I love that. Okay. So to kind of like wrap this up, I really have enjoyed this conversation. I've been triggered a few times, but I'm sure some of my listeners will be too. (laughs) But this is a conversation that needs to be had. So the work that you offer the world, like I want to give listeners an opportunity how they can find more about you how you help transition people out of you know this people pleasing that a lot of us if not all of us have or have had to walk through um how does that work with what you offer the world and how can people work with you to kind of uh, look at this aspect of themselves and try to heal it yes so i've got my instagram which is soul amplified and i've got my podcast which is the soul amplified podcast And those are kind of like the two best places to get a lot of information about what it is and how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, I offer one-on-one coaching where I'm, you know, basically going to be able to answer your individual questions about this, but also teach you about it. And then also teach you about how to support yourself using psychology skills, mental health skills, and spirituality stuff, like whatever kind of you're into combined with my knowledge about spirituality, how to support you um, to fill your own cup. Because so many times people aren't doing that enough. Like I literally can't talk about self-care enough. Self-care and boundaries, self-care and boundaries, self-care and boundaries. So that's what you get when you're with me in one-on-one coaching. And then I have a group coaching program called the People Pleaser Recovery Roadmap. That is a year long. I know it's, it's good. that's a year long program and it's pre-recorded like informational modules about like what all of this is. Mm-hmm. And so every month there's like, so there's 10 modules, but it goes a year because you're going to get behind. That's just the way it is. There's going to be some months, months grace. <laughs> where you, where you get tripped up and you're like, I can't do it. It's going to take me forever to process this anyway. And so there's, you know, like homework and stuff to help people process stuff. And so it's a lot of informational things. And then everybody in the group comes together like once a week and we talk about all the things, mm-hmm. you know, answer all the questions, give support, celebrate. Yeah. You set a boundary or, um, you know, how can we work, you know, like problem solving, all the things. So that's the people pleaser recovery roadmap. And then um, you can just DM me if you're interested in, you know, the individual or the people pleaser recovery roadmap. And what, what I'm promoting right now actually is something called the codependence holiday planner. So that's something that is launching September 18th is when it's going to be available. And that is at soulamplified.org slash holiday planner. And it is a workbook that's over 30 pages long, all about kind of like a soup to nuts situation about how to make your holidays less codependent. Can you <laughs> so like American it? Thanksgiving and like Christmas and stuff? Yes. Where you're like, how to high health? <laughs> right. You're like, I do not want to go to seven holiday parties because WTF, right? And so how do you work through what you actually do for the holidays and how you feel about it to what do you actually want and what boundaries do you need to set so you can get there? And then how much time do you actually want for yourself to actually have that holiday be fun for you? Because so often women are the ones that are doing it Mm -hmm. and they just get like overburdened and zonked and like everyone else had a great time, but they didn't. Right. 
it doesn't have to be that way. And so I felt like this was a good way to introduce people to how codependency and healing it can really impact their lives in a really practical way. And it's super fun. There's like charts, there's activities, there's a little bit of coloring involved. Of course, I love journaling. So there's lots of journaling in there. You're like mirror work, like role playing. <laughs> like, no, there's not going to be ham and a turkey. Like, <laughs> we're only serving one. <laughs> this is how you talk to the in law. This is how you talk to your mother. No, <laughs> there's literally like four pages of examples of how to say no. <laughs> Love that. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and it's not like one-liners. It's like, it's deeper than that. Like if you have a tradition in your family that you always do, like how to handle saying, no, I don't want to be involved in that tradition. Right. It's stuff like that. So there's like different examples about how to handle different types of situations. Yeah. There's pages and pages on how to say no and set boundaries. <laughs> do you think it would work on a three and six-year-old? <laughs> Oh my gosh, my, my brain literally exploded when you said that. <laughs> I say no to my son, he's like, I'm allowed. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it depends like, on you can't hit allowed. my dying cat, he's like, I'm allowed. I'm like, mm. okay. <laughs> so that's the fun thing that I have happening right now that I really want everyone to know about because I feel like that's a little way that you can begin in a practical way to work on people pleasing and codependency yeah yeah so that comes out september 18th i'm very excited so this is actually going to launch september 7th so give people time to check you out sign up for that we'll have all the links in the bio so all the links in the show notes so just like click on it go check vanessa out she's amazing i've really enjoyed this conversation i've really enjoyed having you on we actually may need a part two because i think that like after people hear this they may have like a slew of more questions (laughs) i'm ready let's do it awesome thank you vanessa for coming on